Hey, look what we have found A big sound in a small town Far away from the bright lights They're making music every night Discover what is all around A big sound
when it was founded until 1970, Del Rio had about 8% humidity. Really? Yeah, because we were in the desert. Oh, know? okay. It, you know, it's right there on the Mexican border. You're right. really in the, it's where the Chihuahuan Desert meets, you know, the, the, the Texas Hill Country. And yeah. so, and the river runs through there, but I mean, it was, it was small, uh, you know, and then in 1969, the, they built the largest international lake, um, the dam's two or three miles long. It's, wow. uh, Amistad, they built Amistad Lake and that changed the humidity of the town. It got more humid. Oh, you yeah, know, I'm sure it did. There's more moisture. This is massive. Yeah. Massive. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's where three rivers came together, you know, um, and, uh, you know, that it, it, you know, it really just, it's huge. It's miles across and so that you know that changed everything and then you know times got more modern and and my mom and dad got real air conditioning you know yeah. so yeah i was saying i grew up in in south carolina and uh it was hot and hum, you know very oh, humid yeah. then and oh, yeah. i had no air conditioning as a child oh, yeah. growing up. but it yeah. did you know um the greatest show on earth, one of your songs, is kind of my childhood growing up. I sit on the porch till it, <laughs> till it cooled off at night, you know, enough yeah. to go in, and we sang, sit out there and played and sang, which was, yeah, yeah. that 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 was, you know, my dad, um, my dad actually played <clears throat> trumpet and cornet in high school and in college. Wow! And then, um, and played in jazz bands and uh, swing bands, and then. Uh, when he went to college, he learned how to play guitar. And then, you know, after he became a lawyer, you know, uh, he didn't really play As horn well. anymore. He just, he just played guitar, you know, and, uh, and he had a, a, a nylon string epiphone and, uh, and that's the first, that's the guitar I learned on. Really? I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of a rarity too, an epiphone that's has nylon strings. Yeah. It was, it was you know, uh, classical style guitar and but you know we were right on the mexican border so sure those so. were those were pretty darn i mean I, my first guitar that i owned was you know bought over in mexico and it was a joya and yeah. uh um and it was i think 25 dollars right. you know and and so then i bought a i bought a ventura guitar in junior high school and then I sold that and an electric guitar and an amp and I painted numbers on on the people's curbs yeah you know yeah. painted their painted their house I got stencils and I painted their house numbers on the curb with reflective you know paint sure. so and, uh, know where they live yeah yeah you know and 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 charged you know I think we charged three dollars and sometimes people just give us a five and not ask for any change, and you know. That's cool. And uh, me, me and a buddy, and I, 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 that was all so that I could buy a Martin D twenty eight. Wow. And uh, I, and I guess you was, painted a lot of numbers, didn't you? I painted. I and mowed a lot of lawn. I think I mowed every lawn in, in West Texas <laughs> twice. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I bought a Martin D twenty eight my senior year in high school. And then I got, I had that guitar up until um, about six years ago, and it was stolen. 
Oh, really? So, yeah, not seen it ever since. But I wrote a whole lot of songs on that guitar. That's a shame too when they're stolen like that. Yeah, that's a, it's a weird thing. I I I, uh, I had twelve guitars stolen um, out of a storage unit, and uh, which was had to have been some kind of an inside job because it was, you know, indoors. We were doing some repairs on my studio, and it was indoors, and and uh, you know, air conditioned and climate controlled, right. you know, all that stuff, and um, you know, I went up to open it up to go play uh, in the studio, and all of them were gone. Oh, that's, oh that had to be one of the most sickening. Oh yeah, and it, it was it was sickening, and 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 it was. You know, you had to have a code just to get in the parking lot. Right. And then you had to have a code to get in the building. And you ha I had a a lock on it. And they had they had uh, rigged the door somehow so that they could get wow. it open. Wow. So they knew what was in there. Yeah, they knew what was in there. They knew it was worth some money. Yeah. And so, but I got all but, all but one of them back. All but all the, but one all but the Martin. All but the Martin. So. Well, I, that is pretty good that you got them Got yeah. back. I have I, I have other Martins too. I mean, I I have um, I have three Martins. But it's uh, but it's but, not the same, is it? No, it's, uh, there's an emotional attachment to right. that guitar, you know. And the ones I mean, listen, the ones I have are really really good guitars, and right. uh, and and I and I you know I have a fairly large guitar collection, but I don't have a whole lot of repeats. They're they're they all make different sounds, right? Yeah, I you know, understand that. And, and different noises in the studio, sure. you know, so, um, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, one, uh, you know, I have a, a 1948 D18 right. that is very bluegrassy. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a big old dreadnought and sure. just, it ages out. It's so woody sounding, you know, when they get real old like that, they get, a, you really, you know, the, the the finish gets thinner on them yeah. and it just it, they dry out some and they just start sounding really really woody sure so i have a 51 a, so know. i know it's a, it's yeah. a pretty, you know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah. it's a very similar, nice guitar similar, yeah and then and then i've got you know uh i've got you know modern you know gibsons and martins sure. and, but they all make a different you know all kind of have their own voice sure. and and i i always felt like you know you know, changing the voicing of the guitar, of the acoustic guitar, on a record is really important. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, even if I'm not the player, if I'm producing something and I've hired a player, I'm going to ask what guitars they're going to bring and what kind of choices we would have for, because everybody starts playing a different timbre you know, sure. the the way and, and what they play and how they do it and what guitar they're sitting in in their in their lap is is can change everything. Oh know? yeah. Oh I'm I play with uh, different bands and when I play I have guitars that sound right for one band that do not sound right for the other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. I can definitely hear that. You know, it's one of those things that Oh, I'll take my go-to, and then I get there, and oh, this is not working at all, you know. So, or not for a sound. I'm sure. I'm sure for most people who are listening, they probably wouldn't notice the difference. But right. it, but it's 
it becomes a personal thing, I think. Sure. If I'm, if, if, you know, if I'm playing Just Call Me Lonesome and it's not on a Telecaster, yeah, so, so I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know, it just, it just needs a telly. Yeah, you know? yeah, I and, and <laughs> you know, and and I think that's that's true of a lot of songs. You know, there's, a, you know, there's, I, you know, I play live. I mean, I play, you know, on. On, on the Delray Texas record, um, I played some of the acoustic guitars, but most of it was played by um, uh, God. Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Danny Dugmore. Oh yeah, yeah, um, I know, I know. Who, 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 who's an unbelievable pedal steel player and didn't play a note of pedal steel on the record. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I did not know that. Yeah. He's, a, he's a fantastic pedal steel player. One of my and he, favorites. And he's, yeah, my, one of mine too. But Steve Fischel was producing the record and so he played all the steel parts sure i can understand that too i mean i do yeah understand that. <laughs> and he's also one of the greatest yeah, steel is. players of all time yeah, yeah. And, and he actually is going to come out and go on the road with us for um for this doria texas tour that we're starting up in october oh that'll be cool yeah it's pretty exciting yeah i would say it is so you grew up you have a music you had a musical background then as a child since your dad yeah, uh, daddy was a lawyer, mama was a school teacher, and, uh, um, and, you know, the, and, and, and music, you know, we, you know, we sang in church on Sundays, you know, sure. and, uh, but, you know, as it says in the, in the short story I wrote that goes along with Greatest Show on Earth, it's like, you know, any Saturday night worth remembering was, was, you know, all about friends coming over and, Sure. Having potluck or burgers and, and playing music on the back porch, you know, till all hours of the night. That's yeah. a wonderful book, too, by the way. Oh, thanks very, very much. I've I, I read that thing like three times just because the stories are good. And, you know, I'm not surprised that, that you're such a good writer. I mean, your songs are real visual. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think I think it was, you know, doing that was a, uh, you know, Mama, being a you know a teacher, right? You know, I mean, she put a book in our hands. You know, we she had. It didn't matter whether the school had a reading list. Mama had a reading yeah. list. Well, I, I, I do understand. I grew up with a mother who did the same. Uh, she read to me almost from the minute I was born. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that was, and she would do that too. I mean, even once we were you know old enough to read a. Uh, uh, on our own, you know. Yeah. She read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to to us out loud. Yeah, yeah. You know, when yeah. I was ten years old, and my sister was twelve, and she thought she was too old for that. But you know, we were we were just riveted, man. We were, Mama, can you read another chapter? Oh, oh read another, I you know. know. Just riveted by it. Yeah. My mom should yeah. have been an actress because she she brought stories to life when she'd read them. Yeah. Uncle, I've always thought. Oh yeah, I always thought that the 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 penchant for writing prose in me was really born out of her you know you know my dad my dad all they both had you know stacks of books on their nightstand right. you know but i really my mom was you know as far as fiction was concerned really right. loved and kind of gave me a love for that yeah so. well it, it it shines through uh in your well in all your writing Plus, you're right. a good storyteller. I actually, one of my favorite things I have 
it's a story that you tell about um, you and Bill Lloyd and uh, Guy Clark in Towns Van Zant. You tell oh, that yeah. so well. I've listened to that oh, thing thanks, many man. a time just because it's. Oh, thanks, man. You, you know, I, and I think. Well, it, it's it, you know, it, it's it's just such a crazy magical day. <laughs> I bet that was. I mean, I bet you know. past what you say there. I mean, I suspect the rest of that afternoon was a ton of fun. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, because I'm um, sure there was a lot more stories told than there was music played. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 you know, the interesting thing was that you know both Guy and Towns were storytellers. Yeah, I mean yeah. they they'd sit around and swap stories, you know, till all hours. Sure. You know, and then and play a few songs in between too. You know, it's oh, like yeah. somebody. And I always thought that, you know, that's a that's a thing I miss in that that happens more rarely in Nashville. Maybe it happens more rarely for me because I'm busy, but we try to do is just to tell all your friends. It's like, okay, everybody bring a dish and you know, sure you can bring a guitar or not, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to sing for your supper and just pass the thing around. And, 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 you know, everybody play, play a song, you know, play, play because it's a, uh, it's a pretty cool thing to have, you yeah, know, Pam Tillis play. Maybe it was Memphis on your back porch, you know? Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. I, you know? I, live there, I live there when my neighbor was Chris Christopherson, so. Yeah, there and, you go. So, I mean, and, and Marshall Chapman, so. Uh, oh, my gosh, I live down the road from Marshall Chapman. Oh, really? Yeah. Great, great, I, wild and I crazy her, girl. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, I, I see her uh, early in the, if I take a walk early in the morning, I you know, I'll yeah. see her weeding, you know, weeding dandelions out sure. of her out of her front yard with a cup of coffee in her hand. Oh yeah, she's <laughs> shoot shoot the breeze. Yeah, you know? she's uh she's 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 great. Um, she's from South Carolina also, which is oh, yeah. uh, you know uh, that Spartanburg area is a pretty full of music area. Oh yeah, it's, uh, yeah. You know, oddly, Del Rio is. There were always a lot of musicians, and and it's a small town. I mean, it's a, you know, it is. It was originally a railroad town. Mm-hmm. Um, there's seven or eight springs that um, that uh, feed uh, the San Felipe Creek, right. and the, and those springs. I mean, you know, you know, one of them's the size of a football field. Oh yeah, you know. And a huge. I mean, there's That's one a real spring. Oh yeah, I know. And there's 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 a couple of others that, you know, maybe a a quarter acre. But if you drop if you drop an SUV in it, you'd never see it. Oh, you know? uh, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, it's a it's one of those things. Just gut. It's it's a, sort of amazing to behold. You know, and uh, uh, but. So there was always this cold water creek run through run through town, and it that's goes crazy. right down to to, the, and that's why the town exists because you know the railroad was trying to go uh, transcontinental southern route, you know the Southern Pacific, sure, and that and they they needed water for the trains, oh. you know, and so that's how the town got made. I guess and, that that was heavily influenced by music too. There, I guess is is kind of um, multicultural, probably. Oh, big time. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I heard as much, you know, mariachi and right. Wapanga and, 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 uh, 
ranchera yeah. as I as I did country music or rock and roll. Sure, you know, I'm sure. Or, or soul, any anything that. And my my parents, um, you know, one of my mentors when I was in high school and trying to learn how to be a better guitar player and and um, I was trying to learn how to play um, George Benson's This Masquerade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I I had gotten the sheet music and I couldn't understand it at all. And my dad was like, you know, daddy knew cowboy chords, man. And right. he's like, I don't know anything about that. Right. He said, but I do know that that's jazz. I don't like it. And he said, and I also know who knows about it. And so I, he paid for a lesson and I, I rode my bicycle <laughs> down to a restaurant called Memos to uh, take a lesson from a piano player named Blondie Calderon. And Blondie was Ray Price's piano player and band leader until wow. the day he died. I mean, and a phenomenal uh, piano and vibes player and drummer. I mean, just he he probably could have played anything you handed it, really. And uh, um, and he had like a Mel Bay chord book the size of a Funkin' Wagner, <laughs> and you know, dictionary. And he and he he. Uh, and he he figured out on the piano. He said, "Look, he's walking the bass all the way down. So he, it's like it's like how to play it, starting up the neck and walking every single bass note all the way down." And he taught me that song, and that and and I learned a ton of, you know, I learned what the hell is a, you know, a minor seven, a major yeah. seven, and a and a and a and a nine chord you know oh yeah you know and and all of a sudden i had a whole new world in front of me yeah and and he was and that was that was one of the first places you know that he'd be like hey when you're home from college come sit in with the band come sing a couple songs you know yeah and uh and it really big influence on me and and he was so proud when you know uh you know i i told somebody you know i i knew that that we'd made it not when uh, Crazy Over You right. went went number one for Foster and Lloyd. It was when it went it it went in the jukebox at Memos. Oh yeah, yeah. that's when I knew we made it. True, yeah. true. Yeah, You're, yeah. yeah you know? I can see that. Yeah, yeah. It ain't it ain't a hit till it's in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's too cool. Yeah, that's um. So. I think one of the things that any musician just one of the coolest things that happens to you earliest when you hear your first record on the radio or you're in the car, oh, sure. you're in the car oh, yeah. and you, it comes on and it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to wreck, you know? It's, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a cool thing. And, and, you know, uh, but for a surprisingly small town, it was a lot of music. I, I think, you know, you know, we all had, different bands in high school and stuff and you know floated in and out of those kinds of things and and uh but uh, you know i i think that in the the ramada inn had a bar that had happy hour and i can remember in college you know you know playing happy hour for right yeah you know for two hours from five to seven you know, what kind and, of stuff uh, would you play at, at that? What they wanted to hear. <laughs> oh, so, any, so probably current, whatever was current. Yeah, current, but 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 also, you know, country music reached back. 
True. You know, you could play, uh, and you learned what, you know, they wanted to hear, uh, I think they wanted to hear classic sounding things. Yeah. And, and that meant you could, you know, this would have been like 76. Oh yeah. 77. So yeah, maybe they wanted to hear something that was new on the radio, but they'd be really happy if you played yesterday by the Beatles. Oh yeah. Gotcha. You yeah, know, sure. You know, and they'd be just as happy if you played, I'm alone. I can sure, cry yeah. by Hank senior, Sure. you know, and, uh, uh, but you'd learn, you know, and so it'd be, you know, for me, it was kind of having to learn, you know, things that you might not have learned, you know, uh, oh, yeah, on your own, that, that would on be your good. own, if you, if, if you didn't have that gig, sure. you know, and, and I, I think that affected my songwriting as I went off to college, you know, and started, started you know, writing. You know, the weird thing is that I didn't, I didn't, I had the want to, to be a singer songwriter. Right. From, from an early age, but I had the thing that said real people don't do that. Yeah. That's not a real job. And that just doesn't happen. You don't do that. Sure. And it's like, so my intention was to, you know, go to college, Right. Go to law school and right. come take over the family business, yeah. you know, and uh, um, and so I went to co I came to college in Tennessee. I went to Suwannee, the yeah. University of the South, mm -hmm. uh, up on Monteagle Mountain, which is also is a little tiny place. You yeah, know, it it's a very yes, it I is. mean, it's, it's it's a very small university. It's it's it then it was even smaller than it's probably 1500 students now. Yeah, maybe. Um all in and then but but when I was there it was a thousand students all wow. in, you know. So you knew everybody. Yeah. And and um you know a guy um her we had a I had a band. I had several different bands, but one configuration was kind of uh a uh kind of a, a nitty-gritty dirt band. You know, we would sure. we we had, you know, banjo and fiddle but we had electric guitar and we had you know you know we'd rock up a country song or we'd country up a rock song right and and so one night after it was the i think it was the thursday night before alumni weekend you know mm -hmm. before homecoming right and we're playing at this little club and 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 you know an older guy he looked ancient to us i'm sure he was like 29 <laughs> yeah yeah you know and uh um said hey man what band does those three songs because i know all the other songs you guys did and you know one of the guys said you can't you can't get them or singer wrote them and he said man i don't know anything about the music business but but i got a uh you know college roommate of mine who's a producer in uh, nashville and i'm like yeah right sure you know right, so yeah. i wrote i wrote my number in a matchbook, you know, yeah. in my name. And that was the payphone at the end of the hall in my dorm. Cause I wasn't going to give him my parents number. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, cause the guy was kind of lit too, you know? Right. So, yeah. And, so, I mean, that's, I mean, that's and, generally how that happens. Kind of. Yeah. Know? Right. Exactly. So, so, so sure enough, like two weeks later, you know, tacked to my door is a note, you know, cause they used to have a notepad and you'd, You'd answer the phone and it, it wasn't right. somebody wasn't there. Then sure. you know you'd 
you'd, you'd stick a note on it's an honor system kind of, you know, you yeah. stick a note on somebody's door and they did the same for you, you know? So, uh, there's a note on my door and it said, call Brown Bannister and it had a six one five area code. And I said, why do I know that name? Why do I, and Nashville, that's six one five. That's Nashville. Right, yeah. And I, and then I realized, you know, Holy crap. That's the guy who <laughs> he was talking that. About. Yeah, no, that's oh. the guy. Brown Bannister had just produced Amy Grant's first album. Oh, okay. It, it was in every girl's dorm room at school, oh, period. Right. It had taken off like wildfire, you know, because yeah. here was this 17-year-old, you know, ingenue from, sure. from, from Nashville who could sing and write great songs and, and that were all contemporary Christian right. songs. You know? and, and, uh, but just in a whole different ball game, you know, she yeah, was yeah. The, 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 you know, the end of it all. And yeah. so I was like, oh, shit, I need to, I need to, um, I called him. And so he said, hey, man, my buddy who saw you at a gig says you really know how to, you can really write songs. And I said, maybe, you know, and he <laughs> said, well, can, you know, so, well, you know, he had to be in Chattanooga for some reason. And so he was going to drive right by there. And I said, well, yeah, I'll meet you at the, you know, and I met him and sat and played him about five songs. And he said, man, you got to have a serious talk with your mom and dad about doing this for a living. Wow. And I said, what? He said, I said, are you saying that any of these songs, are they hits? He goes, nope, they're not. <laughs> right. He said, he said, but they're better than what I wrote when I was 20. Uh -huh. And I just want a granny, you know, for, for a song. Sure. And, uh, and, you know, he said, so you, you need, you need to have, you know, you need to continue to do this. And so that's how I ended up in Nashville was I, you know, you um, call your folks and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to Nashville. I'm quitting college and going to Nashville. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I woke them up in the middle of the night in Del Rio, and uh, uh, but they 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 cut a deal. I I had a year. I could take a year off, and they would still hold my place at right. school without having to reapply. And so my dad said, "Look, if if nothing happens at the end of the year, he said, first of all, you're on your own.' And right. he said, second of all, if nothing happens, then you got to go back to finish college.' I said, "That's a deal. Yeah, the deal's a deal." And uh, and I said, well, what if something does happen? He said, what is define something? Was what he said. <laughs> the lawyer, ever the lawyer, define something. Exactly. I said, yeah. I said, I said, somebody pays me to write songs at a publishing house, or someone gives me a record deal at a major label. He said, that's a that's a real something. Yeah, that's a real something. And uh, and and those things did not happen for another five years. <laughs> oh, I was getting, that was my one where I was going next. So how long did it yeah. take? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I went back. I went back and fin you know, at the end of the year, I went back and finished my last year of college, and then turned around. I think it was harder for my parents when I turned around and went right back. Oh yeah, after, after, after you got your degree, you turn around. And yeah. yeah, I didn't go to law school. You know, that's, that's like, oh, <laughs> oh no. You know? Oh yeah, he's going to <laughs> so, do it again. Yeah, yeah. and so um, when I was twenty-five, I got a staff songwriter's job at Mary Tyler Moore music hmm. for $200 a week. And they would, and they wouldn't pay you. It was so old school. Now that I think about it, they, they paid you. You had to go to the songwriters meetings on Monday to get your paycheck yeah. or arrange that you were going to be going on vacation 
you know, and they would, or on the road with somebody, and they would arrange to have your paychecks, you know. It was, you know, given to you. But it was kind of expected that you were going to go to the songwriting meetings. And then my publisher, a really wise woman, um, uh, uh, Meredith Stewart, said uh, about six months after uh, I was there, she left me a message on my answer machine in my apartment and said, hey, Rodney, come see me sometime this week. Um, I want to talk to you about something. And I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to get fired right here. Yeah. This is it. I didn't even make it a year, you know. And uh, so I went into her um, office and, you know, sat down with a cup of coffee. And she said, I got to tell you that I have not really been happy with the songs you've been write, co-writing with after the song after the song writing meetings. Right. And I thought, oh, oh, my God, here it is. I am. I'm about to get fired right here. And she said, but I love what you've been writing on your own in your apartment. And I love what you've been doing with Bill Lloyd. Right. So I think the songwriting means you're just confusing you. Write about anything you want to. Write whatever you feel. Don't worry about who's cutting. You let me figure that out. Quit coming to the meetings. Oh, that's great. And it was such a great advice. And such, you know, because there were guys. I mean, they had guys who they had hired who were much further up the totem pole than me or bill you know and right. and they would you know they'd hear that dolly parton was going in in three weeks and they would go in a room and they'd write two songs that sounded like they were tailor-made for dolly sure they'd get demoed by the end of the week and they'd be in her hands the next week and one of them would get cut yeah, you know i do I'll... and then every now and then one of them would get on the radio and and, and those guys that was amazing to me i just couldn't even wrap my head around it you know and mm -hmm. um and and but it, but the, the doing of it, it taught me the work ethic. Sure. You know, it taught me the work ethic of write a song a week. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I worked you, at, you know, I worked at Tree for a while in Nashville. Oh yeah. That's yeah, kind, yeah. Of, kind of what I learned uh, the craft more than anything. Oh else, yes. You know. Yeah, I, I, I think that was an invaluable lesson in, in how to, and also how to. You know, I I got I got good advice all along the way. I mean, um, okay, I'll tell you I'll tell you a story. You may have heard this one too, but I'll tell it so your audience can know it. It's just speaking in a small town, I'll I'll uh, sure. you know we were talking about my parents, and you know, so I'm you know about to load. I'm loading my Volkswagen full of everything that I own to you know drive to Nashville from Del Rio, you know, and uh. Uh, that first year that I was taken off from school, and uh, and my mother's best friend was uh, Sarah Winters, um, had made me a banana bread. She brought it over for the trip, and she said, and "She's a rancher's daughter like my mom was." Right. And and she said, "Radney," she said, "You got to be careful about that music business. It's just like rodeo, and it'll get in your blood, and you can't get it out." <laughs> And I said, I'll be careful. But it kind of pissed me off, you know, a little bit. And, right. and so I, it bugged me till I got about 90 miles of the 1,200 I had to drive. I got about <laughs> 90 miles down the road. I, I pulled the car over, and I wrote the first verse to Texas in 1880. Really? Yeah. And it haunted me for seven more years. Oh. I couldn't figure out what how to get past 
I knew it was a good verse, but I just couldn't. And I kept it, you know. I kept, right. I kept going back to it, and I didn't know how to finish the song. I didn't know, and I think really, it took those years of struggling and writing songs while you're waiting tables, yeah. and then the 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 discipline of, and the craftsmanship of you know writing fifty songs a year for mm-hmm. a year, you know, uh, or two, and to to know where to go and what it was about that it needed to be about something bigger than just rodeo that is need to be about chasing a dream sure and and that you know that was a good metaphor for what you know Bill and I were doing it ended up becoming a hit for Bill yeah. Bill and I yeah. as part of Foster Lloyd and then later when I went indie you know I got Pat Green to sing it with me as a duet and it ended up becoming a hit all over again yeah you know, I mean it's so, a great song and it's always been well, you have many, many songs I'm really fond of, but that that that's way up there is one of my favorite of your of your songs. Oh, man. I Thanks. didn't I didn't realize it took that long, but sometimes you have to live a song. You know, you have to live to make a song. Oh right? yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with that. And it's weird how you know you know you don't. The weird part is the not knowing of it. Right. Sometimes, you know, you know. Uh, just Call Me Lonesome fell out when George and I were writing together. We had worked on something else for like an hour and a half, and it wasn't working. And I was just like, let's set that aside. And, you know, we, I thought we were done. For, it's like, we'll, right. we'll come back to it next week or something or in a couple of weeks. You know, and I kind of thought we were done. And he did, too. He said, well, I got this other idea. You know, let's work on it, too, the next time. Maybe, we'll, maybe if we hear it, let me, you know, give you. I don't have a melody or anything. I just have like a little lyric and it was uh and it was um all uh, a whole bunch of them strung together just call me this just call me that oh yeah yeah don't call me you know and 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 he said just call me lonesome and i said whoa 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 that's it right it's not all of them it's that that one yeah and 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 it fell out of it fell out of our mouths and our our guitars in 30 minutes it was done See, I mean that that is that is the beautiful part of songwriting, and also one of the most aggravating. I've oh god, yeah. I mean, some of them take days and years. Yes, and others. You go. I wish I wish I could do that every day. Just go. Okay, I'm gonna. Here's an idea. Boom! It's gonna fall out of your mouth in 30 minutes, and then it's gonna be a hit. It's a song you're gonna have to sing the rest of your life. Exactly. You know. Well, you know know? what is weird, and I'll have to ask you this because was one more satisfying than the other when you got it done? I mean. You know, I don't, I don't think, no, I don't think so. I mean, the weird part is, is that, you know, so we're making the Delia Texas record yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'd been on RCA and then I had to go through a a year of rigmarole with RCA to get dropped. Um, because one hand wouldn't tell the other what to do. And, you know, the, the, the regime had changed over some and, and, and they just, you know, and Joe Galante was in New York and they didn't, and without Joe, nobody really knew right, what yeah, to do. Yeah. And, uh, um, so, you know, that all unraveled finally. And then I got signed to Arista because I, I did a, I did a showcase at the Bluebird Cafe because Raul Malo from Mavericks yeah. was trying to get a publishing deal. And so his producer, Steve Fischel, called me and said, said, hey, man, Raul's trying to get a publishing deal. 
but they want so he's going to do a showcase at the Bluebird of these songs he's written for this upcoming record, but but you know they want somebody who can fill it, and you know he can't fill it, and you right. can, and and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that, and then so I told my. The only thing I had left, I didn't have a manager, I didn't have any, but I had a booking agent who was, you know, I was keeping the lights on by opening right. for Mary Chapin Carpenter for a couple hundred bucks, yeah. you know, with me and my guitar. And uh, um, so I said, I think it's time I'm going to play all these new songs at this showcase right. because there's going to be other publishers and other, and, you know, at least. Sure. I can, and so I called Tim. And I, who had been Foster and Lloyd's manager. Right. And I said, hey, I'm doing a showcase at the Bluebird, and I want you to come hear this music. And he said, Randy, you know I love you, but he said, I'm just, I'm looking for somebody more traditional than, than what you do. And I said, well, don't say that until you've heard the music. Right. And he said, fair enough. And so he brought um, Alan Butler and Mike Dungan with him. They all went to a baseball game, to the Sounds game, right. and then left at the seventh inning to come hear my show. And so, you know, I got through with the show and Tim cornered me in the kitchen and he said, you're going to get a bunch of offers by the end of this week. He said, I just want to be the first one in line. Huh. And I, I shook hands with him and said, I don't want to work for anybody else, Tim. And, uh, and he said, I'm not going to hold you to that. And uh, by the next day, I had five record deal offers. Wow. Including the one from, from Tim. Right. And I, but I went with Arista because I just it was such a boutique, run like a family business little label sure. at the time, you know. Yeah. And and I I just trusted him. He was such a great record producer. He had been a great manager, and he was a great songwriter. So I just I trusted him, you know. And and so we're sitting there, and and uh, you know. He said, I'm going to treat you like a baby act. You're going to get frustrated with me. I said, that's okay. That's how you get great songs. So I wrote, he said, I get five and you get five. And I went, all right. And uh, um, and it ended up, we really agreed on, on everything together. And then, but he wanted to make sure that there were at least five songs on there that could be hit singles. Right. And, and, um, and he said, I'm not going to, but you're not going in until you have this magical thing called a first song for a brand new artist, you know, in your pocket. Right. And I, so I, I, I wrote literally for another four months, two or three songs a week. And, um, and one of them ended up replacing one of the other songs. Hammer, Hammer and Nails got on the record because yeah, of, of that Hammer writing. Nails. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, I kept waiting. And so, you know, here I am again on a Friday afternoon in his office playing him song with me and my guitar i wouldn't even sending him cassettes i was coming in and playing live for him right. and and talk about him and so um which is just as old school as it can get yeah it you is know? i love and, that though i mean that's a oh me too thing. yeah so we were we'd do that and i i walked in and he, i said i played him two things that i thought for sure were going to be you know the thing that would be the single that made sure. him made it happen and and he said um he said no he said that that might bump one of them off that's a pretty good song you know but but i just don't hear it and i said well he said you got anything else i said 
I got this buck going style shuffle, man. I don't even know if it's all that good. And I played him just call me lonesome. He stood on his desk. He stood up on his desk and pointed at me and said, that's it. That is it. And, uh, he said, and when we went in with Fischl, he called, he called Fischl and, and, uh, Steve Fischl, the producer. And he said, he said, "Just call me lonesome" is going to be the first single. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you didn't. I mean, no, or he didn't. No, no, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. No. no, I mean, obviously, you didn't fuck it up. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but it, you know, but it's. I didn't know that it was something all that special, but he did. You know, and yeah. sometimes I think it takes someone else looking at the outside from the outside in. Sure. Or getting an audience's reaction to something to know that it's something special. I, I totally um, agree. I found that I'm not such a great judge of my own songs. Usually the ones that I am just so sure they're wonderful. Someone likes something that I wasn't even that fond of. Right. Um, so. Right. That's, it's, it's, a, it's an odd thing. I mean, and I've, I've become really fond of the song, obviously. And, yeah. Um, but... Uh, you know, it is that thing that you don't, sometimes it's the not knowing, uh, I think makes it even more special because then when you get the song out there and you play it for someone and you see how they're moved by it, right? that, that's a, you know, that's yeah, a that's really a, special it, moment. It is. You know? It is. Yeah. I mean, they jump up on the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. So. Yeah. And I'm a, and, and that, you know, I think the I think the fun part of making that record was was really the wanting to get back to the roots of who I had been in Del Rio and that's right. how that's how we came up with the name. Sure. Um Tim came by to do the there's the there's the A and R um, artist and repertoire is what right. a, you know what A and R is, but yep. I don't know if the audience yeah, knows what A and R is. A and R is the guy at the at the label who basically is riding herd over whatever the heck you're doing, right. and 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 responsible for getting you material or helping you find a producer or helping sure. you distinguish which are your better songs, those mm -hmm. kinds of things, you know. And so Tim Dubois was both the head of the label, but he also was my A and R person. Yeah, so he weird. was coming yeah. by to. Um, where you've recorded everything, but you haven't started mixing yet. Right. And you have a, maybe a couple of days that you could do some more overdubs or change some things around or, you know, that kind of thing. You got a little wiggle room. And so he came by and listened to it, top to bottom of these rough mixes. And he said, man, Rodney, when where, you're from Del Rio, right? And he said, yeah. And he said, what year were you born? And I said, 1959. He said, what if we call this record Delray, Texas, 1959? I said, it's perfect. Yeah. And uh, um, he said, because this thing just reeks of West Texas, man. It just sounds, you know, all it, it sounds it, it, it feel did. like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, and it had, uh, you know, it. And, and and the the interesting thing for me is that it's got a ton of things that someone like, you know, Buck or Merle would have written, but it's got songs that you know, I'm borrowing from Jenny Webb, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, 
and and from you know the stones yeah. and 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 it's apparent that I yes I I really love rock and roll and and, and it's obvious that I had been in you know I mean uh, you know Foster and Lloyd was a country duo that played as hard as the class. They did. You know I, mean, I mean, yes, it yeah, was, it was, I mean, rock, we, it was we, country we, rock and roll is what it was. It was absolutely country rock and roll. And, um, but that this was absolutely a country record. You knew, yes. that, you know, in the same way that, you know, you heard those first, um, you know, you heard, you heard that first Emmy Lou Harris record and you went, okay, everybody in this band has played rock and roll on the radio. You know, it's right. the freaking wrecking crew, right. for God's sakes, yes. just about, yes. you know, and, right. but man, that is country, yep. you know, that is nothing about that. That's, that's, that's rock and roll. That right. is, that is, that is country music. Yep. And, and, uh, and, you know, that's kind of what I remember with Fischl, we had all these discussions about if there was out, you know, we talked about because he had played with Emmy Lou right. for 10 years on the road. And so that was one of, that was often a big discussion was, you know, those records that he had either played steel on or that he had done live for right. years. And, uh, um, and then the other was, was, you know, we talked about like, um, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, just records that had that kind of attitude, but that had been, but you knew uh, it was a Stone Cold Country record. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, just that kind of, you know, we'd talk about singles and we'd talk about albums that had really influenced us and, and whether they were from California or Nashville, yeah. you know, and, uh, and so that was always the underpinnings was we're going to by God make a country record. Yeah. You know? and, and it is, I mean, you know, yeah. it, 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 it is. And it's kind of defined your career since really. Oh, it really has. It's been the, it's the, it's the watershed moment that, that, you know, everybody or, or most people there is. And, and often it is, your first record. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you struggle along and you make, you know, True. as an artist and you make two or three records and then all of a sudden you get the right producer and it changes everything. Right. And all of a sudden Vince Gill's a classic yeah. example, man. Does that yeah. tell, tell, you know, it, his last, you know, when I call your name yeah. was his last shot. Yeah. They said, they told, they had basically told him, it's like, it's not working. And if, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're out of, you know, we'll sure. give you one more single, but if it doesn't work, we're going to end up having to drop you. Yeah. And he said, well, if I got to go out, I want to go out with, with what I want. Right. And he said, okay. They were like, and, and they said, okay, what is it? And he, he said, when I call your name. Right. And it was summer and you never put out a ballad like that. True, then it was yeah. really freaking slow. And right. you never put out a ballad like that in the summertime. True, yeah, that's true. You know, and uh, uh, so, well, I mean, it w blew up so fast. Yeah, I did. That the so the story was, there were two records that were blowing up 
um, you know, one out on New York and, and Vince's record, right? you know, and an uh, album. And they, uh, they, they had the MCA apparently had the, the, the manufacturers for a week stop making anything except Whitney Houston and, and Vince Gill records. <laughs> they stopped all other production because they, you know, they went from having, they had 17,000 records in the stores and they'd sold about 10,000, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and the, um, you know, and the next day they were gone. Right. When that when that thing hit, you know, about the time that song got in the top ten and it rocketed to the top ten. Really? And once, once it was and then and so then Vince so then they had so they put like a hundred thousand records in the stores, Vince Gill records, you know. Right. I'm figuring that was gonna last them, you know, a couple months. You know. Yep. Well they were gone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So literally, they, you know, I mean, that thing went multi-platinum within, you know, within six months. You know, it just was, it was all because of one song, sure. you know. And, uh, but for me, you know, that moment was the Del Rio, Texas record. <laughs> and it, and it set the bar for, even though, you know, my career has taken lots of twists and turns yes. and, yeah. and, and gone independent and, and I'm, you know, considered Americana now. And I, and, but, but, but the nice part about that is, is that I can, I can put a gut bucket stone cold country song right next to a rock and roll song, okay. right next to a pops pop song on a re record. And as long as, as we make sure it's, you know, they're in the right order, you know, it right. works. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the beauty of being independent. True. But, but I think that there's something about that, Taking that album as a as a um, as a pro, as a as a project of art, oh, you yeah. know, that was, you know, that it's not just a collection of songs. It's got to be the, the right collection of songs. Um, there are, you know, songs that I end up recording three albums later, and people go. Wait a second! You wrote that song five years ago. Why has it been sitting around? Right. Well, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't fit the other things that I was doing. Sure. You know. And I and, and I, uh, I think when you write in different styles, you come across that sometimes. I mean, it's like, uh, I got this song. I really like it. It's a really good song, but it's not fitting what I'm working on right now. You know, so I have to right. sit it right. aside. Right. So, I, I, it is for me. That's a that's a big part of trying to make it. You know, I know that with with the, the advent of streaming, yeah, that may change. That change that changes. And I've been dealing with as a producer, so certain bands who are like, "There's no point in us making an album." Oh yeah, I mean it's that's just, the yeah that's the new you know this the new way. I mean it's the it's back to the uh, forty five mentality of sure. Yeah. But the weird part is, is you know, we just, uh, you know, as as a contrarian, I mean, the Randy Rogers band came back to me and said, we want to make an album, and we want to make it with you. We want to return to our roots, and 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 because I produced their first three records, yeah, 
And, and I said, sure. And, you know, we ended up really thinking about it as an album project rather than just as a collection of singles. Songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it, it came out so much them and I'm sort of returning to the best of what they're capable of sure. that, that they've titled the album homecoming. We cut it in the first two studios that we'd ever cut anything in yeah. and at half of it in Louisiana and half of it in Austin. And it was, it just all felt in me working with them again. And then my son was the second engineer on the whole record. That's cool. Um, it was really cool. And so it just all felt like, uh, you know, uh, going back to your roots and, and, and it's a really, it's a great collection, man. It's a really cool album and it's coming out in October. I'm really excited about it. Okay. But the second single's out and first single went to the number one on the Texas tour for like, I don't know, four or five weeks in a row. It's really huge. And then the second one's out right now. So. Yeah. I like those guys. I can't wait to hear the project. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. The, um, the, the uh, you know, I'm I'm proud of Randy for for just his writing of di really really digging deep, you right. know, really really digging deep. And uh, how I think there's one outside song on the on the record, but you know, for the most part, he wrote them all. How different is being a producer than being an artist? Uh, when you're the artist, your name goes really big on the front of the record. <laughs> when you're the producer, your name goes really small on the back of the record. <laughs> yeah, got you. Um, and, and that's and that's something you need to keep in mind the entire time that you're producing. <laughs> that is actually brilliant. Um, uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it becomes personal, doesn't it? When you're, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think, um, and actually, I stole that from Rodney Crowell. But that's okay. Yeah. He told me that he, he he took me to lunch. Actually, it was an impromptu, and he he. Because I, I, I knew I had I, I had some questions about, you know, he's he's such a great record producer and I, yeah. and and yet he's such a great artist and I had some questions. I had been hired by somebody to do half their record right. and uh, it was on a major label and you know the um, and so you know he he kind of gave me some pointers and and uh, and that were you know actual here's how you should handle this here's what you need to do budgetarily here's you should hire this person to be you know an assistant you know right. and 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 take care of the paperwork and that all this really you know intense advice and uh um intentional advice you know and and um he can be intense too <laughs> oh yeah he, he sure can and uh, um, but then he he laughed and he said, just you know, just remember, you know, their name goes really big on the front, your name goes really small on the back. That's you know, that's that's. Yeah, <laughs> I said, I mean, yep. that's, that's, that's good. Right? <laughs> it's their record, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, and uh, but he also told me um, the interesting thing uh, that he told me was also he said, um, "Who's the A and R guy?" or a gal, and I, and I told him, and he said, oh, yeah, good. He said, you don't work for the artist. You work for him. Ah, ah, yeah, that is another he said, thing. He said, said, you, he said now you are working for the artist, and you have to pay attention to it, but ultimately he's the guy paying for it all. True. So if he ain't happy, 
you're yeah. not going to get very many. You're not going to get very far. Yeah, you're not, and you're probably not going to get another chance. So, yeah. Yep, and, and that was really great advice, and and uh, and and I, I I enjoy it, you know. Yeah. Um, I I think I do less of it than I used to, partly because I still want to do. I like doing lots of different things. Yeah. You know, I like, I, I, I get bored if I'm just doing one thing. Sure. And, uh, and I, I like, you know, uh, being able to go on the road and I like being able to, you know, write books. And I like, um, my wife and I are working on a, uh, a move. I'm working on another book of short fiction and my wife and I are, are uh, working on a screenplay. That's cool. That's, based on one of the short stories in my book and it's under development. So, oh, that's good. you know, yeah, we, oh, well, we've got, there's, there's actual producers that think we can make it into a real movie. So that yeah. is really cool. Did I, did I read somewhere that you came to North Carolina to write your book? I did. I came to I actually went there to edit it for yeah. the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my, um, my book publisher is uh, working title farm mm -hmm. and, uh, the head of work title farm is Sherry Smith. And um, she is a author in her own right um, and an essayist, and she writes nonfiction. And, um, but she, we, you know, we edited the book in her living room, you know, um, you know, as old fashioned as it get, could get. And that was me reading it out loud to her. Yeah. We would go through and, and, and the cool part of doing it there was, Rather than her just like slashing through two paragraphs, you know, right, and and telling me, you know, and uh, you know, she would be like, "This doesn't say it well enough," right, you know, and I go, "Well, give me twenty minutes. I'm going to go rewrite this," right, you know, and then come back. And she goes, "See what she did," you know. Yeah. There, it just it was it was a very cool. Uh, so that's she has a cabin on her place and I'd stay in the cabin and, and, you know, and, and then, you know, I did write one, I finished one of the short stories up there. Um, cause we edited like five stories. Yeah. You know, we did it in, in, in batches. And so I'd gone right. up there to edit five of the stories and ended up writing a sixth one while I was there during that week. That's pretty cool because that's hands-on editing. That is one of the coolest. Oh yes, things, it's, you know? it's it's really cool. It was really really cool, and um, and certainly, uh, you know, like she's editing on this book that I'm writing right now, and and, and that has all been on, you know, Zoom. Right. Yes. The with new... her, with her computer, and me yeah. with my computer. You know, and uh, but, but, you know, I I told my wife and I and I. And I asked Sherry, I said, you know, can I come up there for a week and, and sure. And just bang out, you know, as much as I can for, because, you know, it's, it's not the greatest. She lives on, 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 on a mountain, you know, side of a mountain above Boone. So it's, it, <laughs> it is kind of remote, you know, yeah, it's kinda and, remote, and it's yeah. not, it, it's not the best cell reception in the world there either. Which is kind of great. Yeah. <laughs> Less distractions just, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh hell yeah. You know. I, you know. I, and um, so, you know, uh, 
I, I will continue that process. But the it's been really fun collaborating with my wife. She's been a writer her whole life. Um, and this is the first thing that we could really write on together, you know. Um, is, is she also an agent? Uh, no, she is. She's she is my manager. Okay. Um, but she uh, she was uh, a music critic. I mean, literally. Oh. I'm, you know, she right. was involved in. Uh, she was at one, worked at one of the charts when uh, she was younger and was uh, kind of became a mover and shaker of the youngest woman editor of a country chart. I think in the history of the business. That's you know, cool. and and then she uh, went in independent a uh, couple years after we got married and and uh you know worked as a freelance writer for years well, um, she was really easy to work with i've worked with this podcast i've worked with a lot of agents and i will tell you you know your manager is a she's really good because we've yeah, been thanks work, very we, much we've been working on this you know for a while and uh you know uh she's one of the easiest people i've worked with and has been as what she says is right and she follows it up so <laughs> yeah. you know i, she, I don't deal with does, that a lot she, <laughs> that, she does she does not uh suffer foolishness very well no first and, of all <laughs> and I, but i love that because um oh yeah that makes it easy i mean right yeah she she, she she'll tell you her yes means yes and her no means no yeah you know? and she was good to yes. everything she told me i mean i i it took a the only person that i had to wait longer on was a deal with Bob Dylan and I had to work through six different agents and none of those oh, wow. guys, none of those guys were nice. <laughs> but oh, gosh, yeah. But well, she, she was great to but, work with. Uh, thanks very much, man. And uh, I will I will pass that along. Please to her. do. Yeah. Uh oh speaking of Boone, you're headed that way pretty soon, right? Yeah, I'm playing the uh, Antlers and Acorns Festival. That's also Sherry that's Sherry Smith's brainchild as well. Ah. Um so she's 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 a pistol, you know. Yeah, it she, like she uh, and but you know what? They did a great job. They 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 not only you know, not only did they give me twice the royalty rate that I could have gotten anywhere else. They really worked very hard, hands on with with um, first with Southern independent bookstores, right. And then from that, it branched out to the rest of the country because once you make a hit in those southern sure. bookstores, word travels. Yeah. And and that's exactly how we did it. And I'd have a gig somewhere, and <coughs> she'd say, I need you to fly in a day early because there's a bookstore. Oh, yeah, you do a book and, tour, too, along with your with your music oh, yeah. tour. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then and then I, I, uh, I spent two different weeks – I spent a whole week just going from bookstore to bookstore with her in a truck, you know, yeah. and, uh, the bookstore would figure out how to get us a couple hotel rooms and, or stay at somebody's house and, right. you know, and, and, uh, you know, but man, uh, and it was funny too, because they, they had the, the bookstores weren't quite ready for me sometimes because, right. uh, you know, they're not used to, if you put on, if you put on Facebook that I'm playing somewhere for free in a town, yeah. you don't have, <laughs> you don't have at least, even if it's a Tuesday night, right. you know, at, 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 at six o'clock, sure. you don't, 
you'll have 30, 40 people show up. Right. Yeah, I got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we're used to it's like new author. Maybe we're going to have eight, and right. she goes, "Oh no, 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 no! Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have more than that." You know, and yeah. and most of them were people who never darkened the door of that bookstore before. Sure. So, and I think that was one of the things that. And Sherry knew it all. She's like, she's like, that's that's going to make those people be your best friend because, you know. Oh yeah. They're gonna they're gonna hand sell your book. Yep. You know, somebody walks into a bookstore and says. Um, I need a, you know, I need a birthday present for my uncle who loves to read. They, they could say, does he like country music? Right. Yes, they, yes, he does. I go. got the book for you. <laughs> I see. But I mean, that's great. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have so, some friends that are writers, and they're they're really funny about their book tours. This, you were right. Uh, I, I've had some. I've had some funny, funny uh, situations where one of my favorite things that they do that that is 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 uh they have these they'll have uh events called in conversation and they get two different authors right and you just talk about like i'll read her book right and she'll read mine and then we're going to have a discussion about you know i'm going to ask her questions about her book and she's going to ask me questions about mine yeah. and, and uh so we i did some of those and and met some authors because and that really 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 fun and and the the funniest thing is is how you know their their personality you know most singer songwriters are you know pretty outgoing yeah you have to be a people pleaser you know and uh and to make it work it's you know if you're super shy um it usually is, you know, you, you were so talented that, that, that right. it, it worked despite your shyness. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And, but, and it's part of but, the entertainment business. Right. And then, but, you know, but man, you know, authors are people oh, who yeah. go, go, go sequester themselves from their entire family for <laughs> six months. Yeah, they will. You know, <laughs> and then come up on the other side with this brilliant, thing that is sort of can magically hold your attention for you know 350 pages sure. and 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 that's a different cat altogether. Oh, and when you get them out among the audience they're usually like uh, i gotta read this thing don't i you know it's like yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I guess you want to ask me questions right i don't I, you know i don't know what to do about this i write them i don't know you know yeah <laughs> so. and then I, and then some of them are just as gregarious and oh, yeah, know, life right. of the party as anybody you ever met True. so they're all over the map but it was but it's been fun it, it's kind of meaning you know it's a new world and um i'm still doing it like i said it's been fun i'm you know, I'm working on, I'm working on a screenplay. I'm working on a, you know, a new album, and I'm working on a, a, a book still all at the busy, same time. Still a busy guy. Still trying to, and you know, and then I got interrupted by the Randy Rogers band to go produce their record. So, yeah, that's you know. great. And did I did I see you just play with Bill Lord again? Yeah, we did for charity. It was a really great. Uh, there's a the Music Health Alliance is has helped. 18,000 uh, musicians with medical bills. That's great. You know, and, and, and in the millions of dollars. And so, uh, you know, we did the dueling duos with uh, John, Vez, John Vesner and, and uh, uh, Don, 
what am I drawing a blank on his name? Uh, uh, um, yeah, I can't. Anyhow, I'm, I'm, I'm having a senior moment. Forgive me. But, uh, but they have a duo, and, and you know, we, we, they did their songs, and right. you know, we did ours, and it was really fun. And uh, was it good going back it, and forth? Was it good working with him again? Yeah, it was really fun. And uh, we, we, we talked about we ought to try to play another another gig here right. soon you know why days why, why why would you waste two days rehearsing just for one gig yeah, exactly yeah <laughs> so i did a couple of shows with him over the years he's a pretty nice guy yeah he's 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 like a brother to me and he's and, uh, a fantastic musician also oh he's one of the one of the better guitar players you know walking yeah. the planet sure you know in any style I you know i, I mean yeah yeah so, so. So you still, I mean, I, so you're not thinking about slowing down, are you? I, I, I don't think of it that way. I mean, I, I, uh, I think I'm, you know, I'm, I've gotten to the age where I'm touring when I want to. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I, you know how? You know, uh, I, you know, my day, my years of doing, you know. A hundred plus sure. gigs are are kind of done. I'm, I'm not. I don't think there's any. You know, yeah. there's no need to to you know to do that, and 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 that I don't have the the want to sure. to be gone that much. Yeah. And the nice part has been that you know my kids are grown now, right? And so my wife can go on the road with me sometimes. Sure. Yeah, and and that's pretty cool. And uh. You know, and we're going to do some, uh, you know, quite a few of these uh, Del Rio gigs for right. the next year. The the 30th anniversary is uh, is officially it's September 29th is when that album came oh, out. Okay. And then, um, so, you know, our first three gigs are Nashville, and then uh, Duluth, Georgia, and then Charleston, South Carolina, oh. um, and you know, with a full band doing, and the first 10 songs every night will be the Del Rio record, sure. Chop the Bottle. And, you, and which is pretty exciting. So, are you going to take that to Del Rio at some point? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, uh, we, it's, I don't think the tickets are on sale yet. Right. Because there, there's still some configurations to be done. But, um, right now it's going to be November 19th at uh, the Paul Pogue, the- at the Paul Pogue Theater. In Del Rio, that's the you know that's the that is the the you know that was my hometown theater sure. that you know that is where I saw True Grit and right and uh you know uh 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 around the world in eighty days yeah. and, and and God knows how many other you know westerns on a Saturday and you know uh you know as a kid that was that was the theater yeah. and so it's kind of it is kind of cool to go home and 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 you know play in the theater that you know you grew up going to the movies and and it's it's a and it's it's a nice little performing arts theater you know so i think it's um four five hundred seats that's great i mean that 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 is great to take it back from to where it started and what the record was basically entitled i mean that's great oh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a neat deal and and i'm sure it's gonna sell out so It'll, it'll be a packed crowd, and and uh, as soon as we make the announcement, I'm going to do a video 
you know, sure. and everybody's going to be like, oh, well, it's a hometown crowd. But but I I think you recruit the world for that because there's a lot of people who go, okay, honey, third weekend in sure. November, we, we're flying to West Texas. We're flying to San Antonio sure. in a car. Yeah, because <laughs> we're going to go see Rodney Foster in his hometown. Right? And yeah. a lot of people who grew up there probably do not live there anymore, but might like to oh, come yeah. back for that, you know? Oh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That's really good. Exactly. You're a busy so. man. I'm glad you took the time to finally do this. This is great. I mean. Oh, yeah. Well, you're very welcome. And uh, um, uh, I, I was also, I got to tell you, I'm going to start tuning in because I'm fascinated by the concept of, oh. of you know, how many? Uh, it, it would be interesting to, you know, know who didn't grow up in a small town. But I, you know, I know that country music is littered with people who, oh, who yeah. grew up in tiny places for sure, yeah. and I'm and pop too. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um, well, you know, um, the town that that I live in, uh, Patty Loveless is from here. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Um, Don Gibson is from here. Earl Scruggs is from here. It's wow. a, it is Music City, actually. So, yeah, what, what, is, what is the town you live in? It's Shelby, North Carolina. Shelby. Yeah. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, uh, I, I do this podcast out of the Earl Scruggs um, Museum, which is, which is really cool. Oh, and, that is very cool. And this town has um, stoplights with guitars on top of them. And we have <laughs> That's pretty cool. Murals. Isn't there a Don Gibson Theater there? Yes, it is. It, and yeah. it's a wonderful place. Uh, Don is actually buried here. Um, oh, I'll be darned. So it's, it's, it's a music city. There's a lot of very, very talented musicians here. Uh, a lot of them have gone places and come home, a lot of them. Uh, well, you know, the, the, the mountains in North Carolina is such a, a, a vacation spot. Yeah. You know, that I know that there are, you know, several musicians who – you know, I, I know from that area, I've gotten to know the cause of uh, Working Title Farm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, they all, you know, they'll play Banner Elk one night, they'll yeah. play Asheville another night, they'll play Boone the next night, sure. they'll play Shelby. The, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there, you know, there are restaurants and bars and clubs that, that, you know, are, Full of hungry tourists. Sure. You know, wanting I'm, to hear some music. I mean, it's kind know? of what I do these days. And I mean, I'm to the, I'm, I'm 70 these days. So, you know, I'm on the low end these days, but I still get to play a lot. And there's a lot That's of awesome, opportunity, a lot of opportunity to be, um, the local music is just excellent around this area. So. Yeah. I, That's know, awesome. That's feel, awesome. So I feel fortunate to live here it may not be nashville but it's it's pretty cool um I, I, you know uh any you know any more that uh, that becomes a decision uh you know i don't have to be because of the way how much you know recording gets done at home right you know i don't have to be centrally located in nashville proper anymore true that that you know that that's that's less and less. You know what I do. Um, I, I mean, I do sometimes. You know, it's like I I still love. You know, cutting a band 
all at once rather oh, than yeah. you know, oh, yeah. than building a building a track. You know, yeah. I'm I I certainly do demos where, you know, we build it all right. here at my home studio. Sure. But but is um uh, you know, it is a whole lot more fun when you have, you know, six musicians in a room and I agree totally and the, and the magic starts to happen you know sure. that's a that's a neat thing I mean it is so, so but, I, but I don't have to be here all the time for that because I'm not doing that all the time true. you know it's like when I was a you know when I was a staff songwriter Gotta or be. when I was you know you you had to be you know or even when I was a in the early part of my touring career when I was on major labels true. You, know, you needed to, you needed to do things with and for the record company kind of on a regular basis right um, I you mean, know and that's not really necessary for me anymore there's people here myself included who've learned that once you leave nashville it's not and like you say it's not so much today but once you fall out of the loop you fall out of the loop a bit sure you know I mean, yeah i got a buddy yeah and uh, you know and i think the thing for me is i've i've created it i've created my own loop sure you know? sure and, you and, know, and you've, than, had, you've had decades there now, too, and that really sure. helps, you know. Oh, sure. So you can, yeah. you know, uh, as opposed to come. I, I have friends here who come to Nashville to write for a couple of days and then come back to mm -hmm. North Carolina, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. it, it seems to work. Um, yeah. I, I have a friend who uh, um, lives in Mobile, and he... he Started coming. He's had, he's had a singer songwriter career for a long time, but right. it's really starting to take off because um, he's so fresh and so different that he, right. you know, his 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 manager was like, "Good God, don't move to Nashville, whatever you yeah. do, because every time you come in, there, you know, everybody wants to jump on and get him to write something sure. with them because he brings a new perspective." Yeah, and so it, I, you know, I think it's frustrating for him every now and then you know but i think he's like it works if i stay in mobile <laughs> yeah oh yeah you know? i mean I, I i have these guys jonathan bird um charles Humphreys the third they all oh yeah live here and work with band steep canyon rangers you know and stuff and right but they'll they'll go to nashville and write with a handful of people for say a week and come back and uh play music oh yeah around, you know? they'll come, come back and Play a bunch of songs. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, yeah, you do you do what you have to do these days, and it makes it a little yeah. easier, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's you know, there's a lot of bands that that you know I see the the modern career path as as, as something that is about you know a, a thousand is 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 the long tail, you know, a thousand yeah. people. A thousand people who will spend a hundred dollars a year on your career is a is a career. Yeah, it it's is. a it's a living, you know. And um, you know, but you know, that, and I'm better than 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 ten thousand people who will only spend a dollar on your career. True, and you know, yeah. it's one of the things I see a lot of lot of I know a lot of artists that are trying to to skip Nashville that. Sometimes I think they need to be there. That would mm -hmm. help their careers a lot more than doing it the uh, the DIY way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then I then you know when I talk with them, it's like my you know my number one thing is to be able to do music for a living. 
You know, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have to be a star. My songs right. don't, you know, necessarily have to be hits. So I don't know if I want to uproot and go there as opposed to work it, you know. And there's there's some merit to that, but I'm telling you, it's still the place to go. <laughs> yeah, it's still, I mean, one of, the, one of the things that I've always told people is that, you know, it is, you know, it's, it's remarkable musicianship. It is. It, 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 you know, you will, you will hone, you know, you, you know, <laughs> there was a band I worked with who, uh, moved here and, uh, they went to a, uh, kind of a, the, the local rock station had a, 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 12 on Tuesdays and there were six different bands could each get up and play two songs. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they went to that just to see what the competition was. And they all <laughs> went back to the house that they were renting and go, we got to rehearse. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we got to rehearse. We got to rehearse for like six months before we play anything for anybody. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I, I do know that I, there was a time in my career when I thought I was just the best songwriter in the world, so I got to go to the Kerrville Festival, right. you know, as a new folk, and I get there, <laughs> and I realized, oh Jesus, I got a way to go. The guys, in the, <laughs> the guys in the campground, are, you know, the guys and girls in the campground are better, you know. Right. I mean, they fly me oh, out yeah. here to do this, you know, and I'm thinking I'm really good, and then I get here and it's like, oh, so I even camp beside a guy. He said, "Yeah, I got, we're just playing songs." And he said, "I got this girl, and it was uh, she was in love with the boy for you know that Trisha Yearwood had the mm-hmm. the hit on." And I'm thinking, "That's a great <laughs> song, you know." And then I, I didn't get back home long before it was a hit, and it was like, "God, man, you know, they stepped all over my toes out here." You know, yeah, I got, to, I got to up this, you know. Yeah, and, I got to up my game. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, yeah but, that's but a- that was uh, also the year that um, Robert Earl Keane won the contest so i mean it, and it was okay like, i'll tell you i'll tell you one uh i'll tell you two great songwriting stories that i heard personally okay and and one of the one is um, and this is how much that is true no matter who you are when you're a songwriter and you're and you're trying to figure this out right is but um i uh was friends with God rest his soul, Jim Weatherly. Yeah, not great and, songwriter. And I, I mean, oh yeah, and and Jim, uh, uh, you know, for your audience, Jim wrote, you know, uh, uh, Midnight Train to Georgia. Yes, you he know, did. just 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 as the start. Of, you know, yeah, just, and exactly. it goes way goes on from there. So, um, so, uh, uh, Jimmy, um, um was uh at the ASCAP awards and you know i was getting an award but um uh um oh god why am i i'm having a uh uh god why am i blanking on the guy's last name he's my favorite um uh he's one of my favorite songwriters of all time i mentioned i've already mentioned him in the podcast uh who wrote uh, Wichita Lyman and, and uh, oh, Jim, Webb. Jim Webb, Jim Webb, yeah, Jim Webb, Jim Webb, yeah. Jim, Jimmy Webb was uh, was getting a Lifetime Achievement Award, oh, and I had never met him, and he's one of my favorite, he's one of my heroes, you yeah. know. And uh, so 
uh, I said, I asked uh, Jim Weatherly if he'd introduce me, and he said, oh, yeah, well, he knows your music. And I was like, oh, my God, you can't say that, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I go, and, and Jimmy Webb is as nice as he can be, and he tells me this story, and then I'll tell you the second one. So that's uh, the follow-up to this. So uh, Jimmy, I told him that, you know, Wichita Lineman was my favorite song of his, and uh, and he said, I got a funny story about that song. And, and I said, okay. And he said, you know, uh, Glenn Campbell had called me up out after, by the time I get to Phoenix, and he said, man, I need another destination song like that. I need you to just think about a place, you know, and write me another song. It's just about a place. Because when you do, it just magic happens. And it's a cool thing. And, I, you know, I need yeah. one of those. And so Jimmy said, well, you know, I thought, I don't want to write the whole song if if he's just not into where it's going. Right. I don't want to, you know, so I, I'm going to, he said, you know, I wrote a couple verses and I sent it to him and I, I had a note on the, on the, on the reel to reel and it's, and said, you know, uh, Hey, if you dig this, I'll finish the song. And if not, I'll, I'll send you another idea and you tell me which one you want me to, you know, till I get one that sticks, you right. know, and, and you tell me what it is. And so two weeks later, uh, Glenn Campbell calls him up and he's playing him this track over the, over the phone. And Jimmy goes, what is that? And, uh, um, he goes, that's your song. And Jimmy said, it's not finished. And Glenn said, it is now. <laughs> it's, it's why it's so simple. It just got two verses, you know, that's it. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, uh, but they're brilliant. They're just brilliant. They you know, the change, the changes are brilliant. It's gorgeous, you know. And so uh, <laughs> it was. It was really funny. And um, so then Jim Weatherly, you know, I went up to thank him after I, after meeting Jimmy Webb. And so Jim Weatherly said, "Hey man, I got a story to tell you about that, about Jimmy Webb." And so I said, "Okay." And he said. So he had gotten an invitation from his publisher to go out to some publisher's house in Malibu, and uh, and the you know and because they all were going to meet this new songwriter in L.A. in the early '60s, and uh, and you know uh, Jim gets a cab out there, you know, and and uh, and you know there's food and drink and he's looking around for at other songwriters he knows and some he doesn't you know but he's sees um you know uh hoyt axton yeah and he and he says you know so they all sit and he's talking to hoyt and they all sit down and he's sitting next to hoyt and he said radney jimmy got behind the piano and he said it was all i said half of those songs had already been written in oklahoma he said he played he's played by the time I get to Phoenix. He said he played Girl, I heard you're getting married. You know, he just did song after song after song. And uh um um uh and it got through and uh and just stunned and of course there was like, you know, more food and drink if you wanted to and, and uh Hoyt Axton started looking really nervous and uh and he he said uh he told, you know, Jim Weatherly, he said, yeah. I'm going to head out. And he said, where are you going? He said, 
I'm getting a cab back to, to L.A. because if I don't start writing right now, that some bitch is going to get all the cut. He said, he scared him to death, and he said, I'll split the cab with you. He split a cab with one accent, and they both went back and wrote a song together. Oh, that's funny. I mean, that's hilarious. But, but it's the same type of thing. I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Yeah. I, I mean. Uh, yeah, there's a, and Jim Weatherly is someone that uh, people have missed. I think uh, such a fine writer that that oh, great he get, writer. he he somehow got lost in the mix and a pretty good quarterback. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, all right, well, listen, uh, this has been a joy. Yeah, Thanks has. so much, man. Thank and, you, uh, man. I'll, I'll I can't wait to tune in. Well, I'll have it up soon because I'll I will tie it into your. Um, uh, acorn and antlers. Uh, oh, okay, cool. So I'll put it up pretty quickly. Okay, cool. Thanks right, so much, man. Thank you, man. Peace. Bye. Bye. Things that I'll regret won't be easy to forget. Scars take time to heal. 